Welcome back to another episode of City of Desert. I'm Father David Abernathy, and we're continuing our reading of the Philokalia. As I've mentioned, uh, a specialized volume called Writings on the Prayer of the Heart. And we've been reading over these past months the text of St. Hezekiah of Jerusalem, who focuses in particular upon sobriety or the guarding of the heart, watchfulness, and especially on the invocation of the name of Jesus, or the Jesus Prayer. And uh, we're continuing here in the last uh, few pages of his writings. And again, uh, today he will be looking at some of the major obstacles that uh, fall in our path and how it is we fight against them, but also uh, the fruit of the constant uh, watchful not, watchfulness of heart and prayer. And so we'll be looking at these things once again today. He begins on, uh, I'm sorry, on, on paragraph 177 on page 315 uh, by discussing the eight principal uh, thoughts or eight principal vices uh, uh, most fully described by St. John Cassian uh, in his writings. But uh, Hezekiah uh, discusses them here for us and presents them as the major obstacles that we have to be attentive to in the spiritual battle. And so again, in paragraph 177, there are eight principal sinful thoughts which embrace the whole field of such thoughts and give birth to them all. They all approach the doors of our heart and finding it unguarded by the mind, enter it one after the other, each in its own time. Whenever one of these eight thoughts rising to the heart enters it, it brings with it a whole swarm of unclean thoughts and thus darkens the mind and heart, excites the body, and leads it to commit shameful deeds. In the West, we've called these the capital sins or the head sins um, that lead to uh, graver sins if they are embraced. Uh, in the East, they uh, are called the eight vices. They add an additional one, uh, typically described as uh, despondency or spiritual sadness. Uh, but uh, they uh, are the main thoughts through which we commit sin. And to be aware of these becomes essential in the spiritual life, always beginning with gluttony and lust, uh, avarice, those things that have to do more with our bodily appetites or our appetite for the things of, of the world. Uh, they uh, consider also uh, slothfulness, uh, anger, uh, envy, pride, and then, as I mentioned, a kind of despondency uh, that Cassian describes in his writing. All these have to be attended to, understood, know how they manifest themselves in the spiritual life and how they are to be remedied. And uh, so hopefully at some point in the future we'll have an opportunity to go through Cassian's 
writings on these to spell them out more clearly. In paragraph 178, he goes on to say, But he who watches the head of the serpent, the suggestion, and smites the face of the enemy with a clenched fist, with wrathful words of opposition, thereby puts an end to the battle. For having destroyed the head, he has avoided wicked thoughts and the still more wicked deeds that follow. Thereupon, his thought remains undisturbed, for God accepts his watchfulness over thoughts, and as a reward grants him knowledge of how to overcome the enemy and how to purify the heart from thoughts which defile the inner man, and of which our Lord says, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, etc. These things are those which defile a man. And so... Again, we are to respond swiftly. Uh, in fact, uh, Hezekiah goes so far as to say with clenched fist to strike the enemy in the face, uh, to cut off the head of the serpent to keep it from entering into the door of the heart, that there cannot be a kind of hesitation uh, within us. There is a kind of violence in the spiritual life uh, we've spoken about in the past the use of the insensitive power, uh, the use of aggression uh, to strike down sin. And if this is lacking within us, then we will feel, feel our minds and our hearts become, uh, become overcome by such thoughts and fantasies. Uh, Hezekiah does tell us that uh, part of waging this battle with these particular eight principle thoughts, we come to understand them very well. The more we battle against them, the more God gives us knowledge of them, how they work upon us and how they could be avoided. And this can be, and has often been described as one of the great gifts, greatest gifts that we can have in the spiritual life. Uh, in fact, St. Isaac the Syrian says that uh, to know these things and how to heal them, is greater than the power to raise a person from the dead. Uh, such a power is, uh, offers a momentary uh, gift, certainly raising a person to life, but uh, to know these sins can protect oneself and another person from eternal death. And so is infinitely more valuable to us in the spiritual life. In paragraph 179, then, Hezekiah begins to speak to us once again about the fruit that this battle produces within the soul. And uh, so in paragraph 179, he begins by saying, In this way the soul is able, with the Lord's help, to regain its seemliness, its beauty and righteousness, and to be as beautiful and as righteous as God made it in the beginning. The great servant of God, St. Anthony, says, when the mind and the soul is such as it should be according to its nature, the whole soul is one virtue. Uh, it's an interesting image that uh, the whole soul becomes a virtue, that uh, the more we are transformed uh, by the grace of God, the more we move from glory to glory, the more we resemble Christ himself and the beauty of his life. And so we would want... Uh, and desire this above all, that every aspect of our, ourselves would be wrapped in virtue. He says also, 
For the soul to be righteous is the same as to have the mind in its natural state as it was created. And a little further he says, Let us purify our mind, for I believe that if it is thoroughly cleansed and returns to its original state, it can become far-seeing and see better and further than the demons, having in itself our Lord, who gives revelations. St. Athanasius the Great, in his life of St. Anthony, has recorded these words of the Blessed Saint. And so the vision that comes through purity of heart, of having the noose, the eye of the heart cleansed and purified, uh, becomes greater than that of the demons, that we are able to see now with the capacity of our Lord himself. We are able to see what is good and evil. We are able to see the approach of the seducer and prepare ourselves ahead of time. And so the gift of this constant practice is great. Every thought, in paragraph 180, he says, reproduces in the mind the image of some sensory object. For the Assyrian, that is the enemy, being a mental power, can seduce us only by using something sensory to which we are accustomed. Just as it is impossible for us as men to, to chase birds in the air or to fly as they do, since it is contrary to our nature, so it is impossible for us to be free from the incorporeal thoughts of the demons and freely and attentively to direct our mental eye to God without sober and constant prayer. If you have not got this, you are on earth and are chasing the things of the earth. And so Hezekiah tells us that unless we are engaged in this battle, we are necessarily going to be victims of the demons. There is no standing still, in other words, in the spiritual life, or no simply ignoring these suggestions without having them harm us. We have to be engaged in sobriety and engaged in constant prayer, or we are going to be overcome by these thoughts and perhaps even unaware of their presence and simply dragged along by them. He goes on to say, if you truly wish to cover thoughts with shame, to keep silence as you should, and to be sober in your heart without effort, let the Jesus prayer cleave to your breath, and in a few days you will see it in practice. So even within uh, a few short days, he tells us, if we cling to the recitation of the Jesus prayer, we will already begin to see the fruit of it in our spiritual life. If we simply give this practice time, we will begin to taste something of its, its sweetness, but also how it protects us from such evil thoughts. In paragraph 183, he writes, as letters cannot be written in the air, but should be engraved on some solid body to preserve them for a long time. So we must combine the prayer of Jesus with the most laborious sobriety in order that the beautiful virtue of sobriety should abide with him in us, remaining forever whole and so through him become an inalienable part of us. And so... It's the recitation of the Jesus prayer plus the sobriety that really forms and transforms us as human beings into the image and nature that God created us to have. 
there is something noticeably different about the countenance of a, a holy man who's embraced this path in life that others can see. And it is because they are being transformed by the, the grace of God and begin to resemble him more and more. In the final paragraph we'll be discussing today, paragraph 184, Hezekiah puts before us the great gift that, again, that comes through this practice, and that gift is Jesus himself. He writes, it is said, commit thy works unto the Lord, and you will receive grace. Let us do this, lest the words of the prophet, thou art near in their mouth and far from their reins, apply to you and me. No one can give your heart an abiding peace from passions except Jesus Christ, who has combined in himself that which is far apart, that is, the natures of God and man. And so th through this, we begin to experience uh, the very peace of the kingdom, and we begin to experience uh, the life that Christ has made possible for us through the Incarnation. Uh, there is no other past, path to peace in this world other than the one that is laid out for us here by the Fathers. And so let us consider it well. That brings us to the end of this episode. I uh, thank you once again for joining us, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Mm -hmm.